0: All right, thank you, thank you. We are continuing in our series on the Holy Spirit. And if you, a little recap, we've talked about being born of the Spirit, and once you're born of the Spirit, then the Spirit comes and dwells in you, one of the things we talked about last week. And now we're going to talk about, on Romans 8, what that looks like when the Spirit comes and dwells in you. Once we receive Christ, we went over that last week, kind of that process of how that we get the Spirit, how we're reborn of the Spirit. And so now once the Spirit's in, what does that look like? Our scripture today comes out of Romans, um, chapter eight, beginning in verse one. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. From what the, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his only son, um, his, the son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be the sin offering. And so he uh, condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. "...who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit uh, is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God... And it, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, because even though your body is subject to death because of sin the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. This is the word of God for the people of God. That was the littlest font I've ever read in my life. So... You know, we talk, we talk about the law, and, and we've been talking about the law and the spirit because it all goes together. Remember, the overall message of the series is the missing piece. If we want to be a whole church, a healthy church, it can't just be law and grace. Because if we're not careful, and we're going to talk about it today a little bit, um, we end up being a legalistic church and we go back to law. That's our tendency. Um, and so we'll talk about that today. But it becomes a struggle. Sometimes our faith, one of the things that Romans talks about is our faith can be a struggle. We just struggle between this battle of the flesh and the spirit. And it's like we have one hand on the world and one hand on God and it's just tug of war. Sometimes we live more by the flesh and we desire the things of the world and the treasures of the world and then other times it's God and we want God and we, and we want both and we just go back and forth. That's why we hear Paul talk in Romans about the things I want. You can hear the struggle in his voice. The things I want to do, I don't do and the things I don't wanna do, those are the things I do. That's that struggle between the flesh and the flesh and the Spirit. And we're all kind of in that place where we have one hand on the world and one hand on God, and the struggle, the tug of war, is continuous. But that's not the state that God desires for us. He does not desire us to be in a a struggle between good and evil. Remember, we talked about that two weeks ago. We weren't supposed to mess with good and evil, or the Spirit and the flesh. We were just supposed to live in the Spirit. But now we have that struggle. And Jesus is telling us, well, he tells his people that you have to wait for the Spirit. You have to live by the Spirit. The things that you are going to do can only be done by the Spirit of me living in you. And so wait for the Spirit. And now Paul tells us that this is how we should walk. We should walk by the Spirit because we're born of the Spirit. The Spirit comes, comes and dwells in us. And what happens? Three things happened according to our text, that um, when the Spirit dwells in us. One, our text tells us we're no longer, we no longer have to live by the law. Now, this is tricky. And Paul has to address this other places. He says, so does that mean that the law is bad if it brings death and, and judgment and condemnation? No, the law's not bad. The law, if we use it for the wrong purpose, it becomes a curse. He says that in Galatians. So if we use it to justify ourselves or try to sanctify ourselves or save ourselves, then we're in trouble because that's not its purpose. And so when we're in the spirit, we're no longer under the law, hypothetically, you know, as I was talking with the kids. That if we're walking in the spirit, and you've heard me say this before, if I'm walking in the spirit and I'm staying connected through my study, I'm staying connected through other believers, I'm at worship, devotional. I'm just staying connected, and I feel the spirit. I don't need the law to come and say behave or don't do this. This hurts your soul, or you this struggle. I don't need that. And so the the law is no longer necessary because we're living into it. In another part of Romans, Paul teaches that the the law is spiritual in its nature, at its core, it's spiritual. And we can't follow it by the flesh. That's where our struggle is. We try to live this spiritual life with a spiritual being by our own power, by the flesh, Paul calls it by our natural ability, which we can't—we have an old, a whole Old Testament to tell us we can't do that and to point us to Christ. And so the, the ideal is that we are no longer under the law, but we're living by the Spirit. But we know that, that doesn't always happen. Unless there's somebody I don't know about that is just always walking in the Spirit and has no struggle with the flesh. Uh, I don't see any hands. So it doesn't happen. So we still need the law. And if you look at the big picture, the law is created when the spirit was absent. In the Old Testament, the spirit was present, but as I say in very uh, deep theological terms, it was more like a squirt gun, right? God would say, you, you read stuff like, God put his spirit on him. God put his spirit here. It was directed where his spirit uh, was going to work and what the spirit was going to do. So the spirit as a whole was absent and the law was given so that we would know the things of God, we would know what sin is, we'd be able to recognize it. But through Christ, as we talked about last week, he told his disciples, I must go so that my spirit can come back and fill you and, and dwell within you as it was prophesied in Joel, that his spirit in those end days would be poured out and through Christ, we would all have access to it. And that's where we live now. We all have access. The spirit is in us, around us. And so all we need to do is create that environment where the spirit grows in our lives, in our relationships, in our churches. Because The Holy Spirit is the active part of the Trinity in this world right now, in our lives and in the churches. Jesus will come back someday. And you've heard me say this. I'm going to recap a bunch of things as we go through this. Jesus now is Lord over the church as he has ascended. The Holy Spirit is Lord in your hearts and in the church. And so if we're walking by the Spirit, we no longer need the law in that respect, But when the spirit is quenched by our behavior, by our unrighteousness, by not being connected, where our signal, our our connection, the flow is, is hampered a little bit by us or others or just lack of connection, then we need the law to remind us of who God is in his holiness and to get us back on path. And yet we struggle constantly trying to do this on our own. And that's what Paul's talking about in our spiritual lives, that we get dried up, we, we, we just try to continue to do it on our own power, and we do it and we fail. We do it, we fail, we do it, and, and you don't have that spirit. We look around at see other churches or other people and say, "Look at them. They're miss- they have something I'm missing, or we're missing." And that is the spirit. And once that happens, then we revert back to the law. We got to get back in place. And if church becomes a, uh, I have to. God wants you to go to church. God wants you to go to worship. God wants you to be in a group with other believers. He tells us, I'll meet you there. God wants us to pray. But He wants us to want to because we love Him, not because I got to go to church. Oh, I, oh, oh! we're supposed to read that devotional every day, which by the way is like two minutes, so no, no. <laughs> yeah, and, and it just becomes this drag and that's a warning sign to you because if, if you're in the spirit, there's no better place to be. And I've told you this before. I think church without the spirit is one of the worst places in the world. But church with the Spirit, believers and, other, and fellowship with the body, with the Spirit, there's nothing better. And God gives us glimpses of what it could be, what he wants it to be. But he doesn't want us to want to have to. Sometimes we have to. You know, I had three people, pers- a little testimony time. I had three people, one of them came up, I'll use one individual, had some bad news during the week, and they were on their way to their grace group that meets, um, and it was some health news, and, and she told me, she said, and I just felt like I'd gotten this, went to the doctor, gotten this news, was supposed to go to my grace group, and I just didn't want to go, right? I just didn't want to deal with it. It was so emotional. I would cried, and I just didn't want to deal with it, and then she goes, I heard your voice. That's scary, Right? I heard your voice saying, that's when you gotta go when you don't want to go. And she goes, So I went. And I hate to tell you this, but you were right. <laughs> I love when people try this stuff and they go, and they go, Wow, it really works. And it's not me being right, it's what scripture says. And that's what the devil comes in. And when we we take one step back, he makes us take two steps back. And if we don't want to go and and be around people, the very thing we need to do tries to convince us not to. But that's walking by the Spirit. Trusting you go to those things, not because you want to, not because you you have to, because you know the Spirit's going to be there. and It's going to fill you. And you're going to get some of that living water that quenches that struggling thirst that we all have. And so we no longer have to live by the law, but we struggle and we struggle. Because before, and don't get me wrong, if you're struggling, that's a good thing. It's not where God wants us to be, but at least there's a struggle. At least there's some warfare going on. The spirits and the flesh are at least wrestling because the other alternative is there's no struggle. One of the misconceptions we have as Christian or non-Christians when we come into the church, especially if we uh, have a mountaintop experience at the beginning of our walk, a mission trip or a a retreat like the Emmaus retreat or something of that nature, where you have that spirit filled and you come in and you think, this is how it's going to be. And you go back and you realize, nope, the world's still the same. I still got some struggles with the flesh. Because i tell you, just like me, what I learned when I was a young Christian in my 20s, very worldly before that. And in my 20s, I came to the Lord. I've shared somewhat of my testimony with you. And what I learned in it, through experience, through scripture, is before there was no struggle. I was just going along with the flow of the world and believed what it told me and just kind of going on. When I received Christ and the spirit came and dwelt in me, oh, the struggle was on now. At least there was a struggle. We have this life to struggle. That's why we don't have to figure it all out. We don't have to, we just have to be faithful. We just have to trust. Because when we receive Christ, that's when this war, this struggle of the spirit and the flesh begins, Paul's teaching us. It begins at that point. It's not, it's not all downhill from there. It's just starting. But God equips us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be the people he's called us to be, that we can go through and be transformed and be changed, not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just the missing piece in this, in, in what we talk about law, grace, law, or law, grace. We have to have the Spirit. It's also the missing piece for many churches, for many Christians. Many churches rarely mention the Spirit, or in some churches, used to, and they forgot. The very thing that empowers us to be able to follow Christ, we're ignoring in our individual lives and in our churches. And so it is imperative that we reclaim our Wesleyan heritage of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Methodist Wesleyan heritage is where all, I don't know if, I've said this before, but I don't know if you remember. All the Pentecostals, all the Holy Ghost movements, all of the Holy Spirit churches out there were their grandfather or grandmother. It came out of the Holy Spirit uh, movement in the 1800s in the Methodist church. And so we need to reclaim that for our personal walk And for our churches, because that's when things begin to happen. When you begin to, when your faith stops being just a struggle, and you begin to walk in the Spirit. And God gives us signs, and we're going to, this is going to lead into another sermon um, when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. We get signs in our lives and in churches of of if the Spirit is present, and if it's absent. If the Spirit is present, there's going to be joy Love, kindness, self-control. It's not officially in the fruits of the spirit text, but unity. Mm, That doesn't look real real good for us right now. Not here. Right? But where the spirit is, you will find those things. But also where the spirit is absent, where the spirit is struggling in churches or your lives, you will find anger, pettiness, jealousy. I mean, we all know those people that just the spirit of calmness and gentleness, you, you don't know anybody that doesn't like them or doesn't like to be around them or would be mad at them or you, you don't remember one drama-filled moment they've had just because they're so filled with the spirit and the fruits of the spirit. And, but we also know those people that there's always drama. There's always things going on. There's always acrimony with somebody or something or something. That tells us that those are warning signs. That something is interfering with our spirits. Thus, if it interferes with our spirit, it's going to radiate out into our relationships. So, okay, I'm editing in my head. So the thing is, Flesh and the Spirit, this is our struggle when we receive Christ, born of the Spirit. The Spirit comes, dwells in us. Our goal in the means of grace is to increase, to have this Spirit grow and thrive. And God tells us how to do that. Spend some time in those things that are connected to the Spirit, where God says, go to Scripture, I'll meet you there. Go to worship, I'll meet you there. Go to your group, I'll meet you there. Go to prayer, I'll meet you there. Serve for me, I'll meet you in all of those places, and the Spirit will grow. And then remove the junk of your life, the stuff that feeds the flesh, the desires of the world. Stop the struggle, get rid of that stuff, because that's what feeds the flesh. We end up feeding the natural person and that's getting stronger and stronger and the spirit is, is just kind of hanging on and we go, hmm, I wonder why. We are born of the spirit. The spirit dwells in us. We need to, to let go of the old. That's our problem. We, we just hang on to There's stuff. We just don't want to let go of. And so we hang on, we hang on, we hang on. And then we struggle, and we struggle, and we struggle. You know, it, we're, we're that person that has one hand on the world and one hand on God. And as I was thinking about this, I got uh, in about 10, and I was just flipping through the, the TV before I went to bed, and guess what was on? I think this is old enough that it should have a wide reference. Indiana Jones Right? Okay. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You remember that? And it's about the Holy Grail. And for them, it wasn't a spiritual pursuit. It was an archaeological pursuit. It was a treasure, a valuable treasure of this world. And the Nazis were after it. And Indiana Jones was after it. He wanted it to go to the museum. And so they get in there and they finally find it. And they go through all the action, if you can remember the movie. And one of the ladies that was in competition with him grabs it and she backs up and she crosses the seal which she wasn't supposed to cross and there's this huge earthquake and and she falls and she's hanging and the grail is right there and Indiana Jones grabs her hand and so he's hanging on with one hand. She's reaching for the grail. He goes, I can get it, Undy, I can get it. And he's like, let it go. I can't hold you. I need both your hands. And she won't let it go. Everything that represented this world and the treasures of this world and everything, she couldn't let it go. He lost it and she fell through the cracks. And then, just like Indiana Jones, another earthquake starts. And he falls and he's in the same position and his dad grabs him. And he's hanging on to his father and he's reaching for the treasure. And he's what he was just advising her against. Now he's in that position and he's like, I can get it. I can get it, dad. I can get it. And then everything goes kind of silent. So it's focused on his voice in a very deep, fatherly, almost godlike like voice. He looks at him and he says, Indy, let it go. And he grabs onto him with both hands and he pulls him to life. Remember that image next time you're struggling. And hear that voice, not my voice. Mine's nasally and allergy and all that. Hear uh, Sean Connery's voice, much better voice. When you're just stretched out between the tube, the world and God, hear that voice. I pray that you hear that voice saying, let it go. Grab onto me with both hands. I've given you everything you need. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience. As we struggle and we struggle and we try to do this thing on our own power and we get frustrated, sometimes give up, but Lord, you are there saying, I have given you all that you need. Just let go. and grab onto me with both hands. I've done all I needed to do. I've given you all I needed to give you through Jesus Christ on the cross. And Lord, so remember, help us to remember you. Have, it is finished and all has been given and all that needed to be done is done that we might live in a life of grace and peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the things I forgot to tell you with communion is that also the kids will be coming back in. So we're going full bore back to pre-COVID. So as I prepare communion, take a few moments to ask yourself, let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what you're reaching for. What is distracting you from grabbing God in his spirit with both hands.